Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. So here at Plymouth Meeting Church, it is Vision Month. Vision Month. And I uh, I shared last week, if you were here, uh, that normally it's, it's on my agenda to take at least one Sunday a year and kind of just talk about our vision, who we are, you know, how, how we've been doing, where we're going, that sort of thing. I was led to do uh, three sermons this year talking about our, our vision. Uh, so last week, this uh, this week, today, and then uh, God willing, next week, uh, we are just hanging out in our mission statement, our purpose statement, our vision statement. Uh, but we're also digging into these three distinctives, uh, just a, a couple extra uh framework, if you will, to help us get a little bit more dialed in with our vision here at Plymouth Meeting Church. We're, we're examining some distinctives that, that Ministry Council and myself, we, we came up with. These are unique values, unique to us. It's a reflection of our time uh, and really just, just something that, that we, we, we like, things that we value. And again, it's, it's framework, it's scaffolding to really just Help us go a little bit deeper with our vision. Uh, if you look in your handout there, I, be, I believe it's printed, but it says, Plymouth Meeting Church, we, we seek to be a traditional yet fresh and innovative local church expressed as Christ-centered, Bible-saturated, and Spirit-empowered. So we talked about that last week, uh, that, you know, we are a unique church. We're here to worship God. Uh, we have our unique expression here. Uh, and certainly the, the nuance with all of that is we are Christ-centered, Bible-saturated, and Spirit-empowered. Uh, we do not want to do anything uh, in our own strength. We keep coming back to Jesus and His Holy Spirit. Today we're talking about a family of Christ followers who share the journey of becoming like Christ through hospitable discipleship, dialogue, and devotion. And then God willing, next week we'll take a look at um, our are striving to be an active community on mission with God in obedience to the Spirit that demonstrates tangibly and declares creatively the gospel of Jesus Christ to our area and beyond. And so today we're taking a look at this statement. We seek to be a family of Christ followers who share to become or who share the journey of becoming like Christ through hospitable discipleship, dialogue, and devotion. So this sermon, in one sentence, is this. We want to treat others like family. We want to be a family church here. I'm not going to end the sermon there, but, but today, it, you know, we're, we want to start with family. It is important to see PMC as family, a family of Christ followers. And so when, when talking about family, I want to start with the fatherhood of, of God. And I would like to begin by paraphrasing a pastor from Hong Kong. So way, way over on the other side of the, the world, this pastor in Hong Kong, they make this observation uh, about the church in the Western Hemisphere, about us. And this pastor says, the church in the West really needs a father, not another executive. And I don't know the context behind that observation, but clearly what this pastor in Hong Kong is seeing is that the church in the West, we might have some father issues. The church needs a dad. 
And apparently, Jesus was aware of this 2,000 years ago when he, he taught his disciples how to pray. Our Father, right? He reintroduced God as Father. In John 1, 12 and 13, it says, To all who receive Jesus, to those who believe in his name, Jesus gives them the right to become children of God. In Jesus, we're God's kids. We are children reborn of God. And so if you believe in Jesus, then you are a child of God. And if we are children and God is Father, then that makes us family. You know what? Family is God's idea. And it's also his vision for the church. We see it time and time, time and time again in the New Testament. Uh, it's brother and sister. My brothers and sisters in Christ. Family. These are family terms. In 2 Corinthians 6.18, Paul quotes from the Old Testament. And he says, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. And Jesus is the firstborn of this family. He is the head of God's family. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus points, uh, you know, he's talking to his disciples and he, he points out to them his, his proto-church. They're not necessarily the church yet, so to speak. But Jesus says, here's my mother and my brother and my sisters. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven, they're my family. They're my siblings, my mother. Jesus started a new family, a new extended family. And that would, the spinoff of that is what we call the church, right? And going back to Jesus, it was the grace of God that led Jesus to the cross where he, he suffered, not to usher in a new state or a new political system. No, he, he made a new family. He bought for himself a new family to make spiritual adoption possible. Jesus died to bring many sons to glory, the author of Hebrews says. As sons and daughters, we now belong to the same Father, so Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. That's Hebrews 2, 11. And so if this is true of us, then it is so important, it is vital, that Plymouth Meeting Church sees itself as a family of Christ followers. And so, yes, we are an institution we have nonprofit status, and we're an organization and all of that, right? But one of our, our value-shaping distinctives here is to truly see us as a family, a family that belongs to the new family that was started by Jesus. And as you know, you're all well aware of this, family takes work. Amen? Family takes work. A whole lot of love and grace and communication and commitment. And you know what? That will stand in contrast to the world. Because from a bird's eye view, certainly there are more families in decay today than those who are determined to be stable and healthy. Today, we live in a culture where the mainstream is to check out, to walk away. And so I would like to do some cultural diagnostics here, just to situate today's lesson. So, you know, marriage, we'll start with marriage. Marriage is the creation of a new family, all right? Scholarship points out that Americans are still in love 
with the idea of being married, weddings. Americans strongly support and value and bestow a considerable degree of, of symbolism on marriage. We, we, we love it. Check out the TV channels, uh, the, 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 the shows, Say Yes to the Dress, Four Weddings, My Big Fat American Gypsy Wedding, The Bachelor, 90 Day Fiance, Disney Fairy Tale Weddings, and so on. Okay, it's, it's all over uh, the, the, our, our TV channels. Americans value marriage. But you know what? Americans, we also value individualism. Individualism. A long time ago, that meant kind of being, you know, you get to be your own person. Uh, you get to be successful. Hard work will, will, will make you successful. Uh, if you fail, then just keep going west. You'll seek your fortune. Okay, there's that like frontier mentality kind of playing out. You get to be your own provider. You do not need a feudal lord lording things over you. It's you and your shoulders and your hard work, and you can get stuff done. Later, individualism, it kind of shaped throughout the ages here. You have the rights or the obligation for your own happiness. You're in charge of your own psychological safety and 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 growth and well-being. Like like it's 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 up to you to be all right in here. Maybe that frontier mentality is still going around today, but you as an individual, you get to create your own identity. And that that's a lot of pressure. You get to create your own identity. You are the master of your own emotional fulfillment, your own social relationships. It's all on you to make it happen. Our society has profound individualism just running through everything. And research says the average American, just, just as a little side nugget here, the average American makes around 35,000 decisions a day. Okay. For example, we go to the store to buy cookies. Do you know how many different types of cookies there are on the shelf? So many choices. And the research is saying, you know, a, a society that has so many choices all over the place, that's only fueling our individualism more and more. Everything is customized. You, you want the, the soft cookie, the crunchy cookie, the... The big chunks, the little chunks, it's, it's all available for you. We are self-making selves. One academic says we're in charge. But you know what? We're also desperately lonely. A new report gives uh, the, the, the data. 31, or excuse me, 36% of all Americans feel serious loneliness. But hear this, 61% of young adult Americans, 61% of young adult Americans feel serious loneliness. We have a loneliness problem here in our country. And the global pandemic is only making that worse. I was actually listening to a, a preacher uh, and, and he, he gave me some, some great things to think about and, and, and one of them, uh, he had mentioned this book called Bowling Alone. Has anybody heard of it or, or read it? Bowling Alone by Robert Putnam came out in the year 2000. And uh, I looked it up and Robert Putnam, he, he says 
in his research that Americans used to be active. We, we were active in our churches and, and, and our union halls and bowling alleys and our club rooms. And we, we were a part of so many different committees and we played cards. We were sitting around, you know, dinner tables. And then mysteriously, starting in the 60s and 70s, and then certainly by the 80s and accelerating in the 90s, we've become a society that's more and more disconnected. Why is it? Well, you know, there's a bunch of factors in there. Television could be one of them. More and more people are watching sports and not playing sports. Just an example. But of course, today there's technology, there's the internet, social media, other, other forces out there that are all shaping us today. And then to borrow from Robert Putnam again from his latest book, he says, we are living through a time of transformation. Technology is rapidly marching us forward. There's new forms of communication and transportation that's, that's coming out. There's so much disconnection and reconnection that's happening at the same time. It's almost like a tornado. And some people are, are super optimistic about this because some people are finding connections that were previously like untapped or like it, it was like hard hard to find you know barriers are are breaking down people are finding friendships online and and all of that like some people are just super optimistic about what is happening and yet at the same time others are experiencing the looming crush of loneliness and isolation we're living through a digital crisis facebook and instagram they were in the news this week Right? Are they, are they neutral agents? Finding trustworthy news sources? Of course, we've, we've been dealing with that for a while. We're living through an epistemic crisis where, where things like knowledge, expertise, progress. What, what is progress? You know, all of that is on the butcher's block. It's getting chopped up. People are flushed with anxiety, stress. They're muddled. Substance abuse is rampant. You guys know this stuff. So many people who live within a walking distance of this building, but then all these towns that we that we just said, every single town that was listed today is filled with people who are edgy, confused, and absolutely worn out. And you know what? It takes its toll on the church. This is why I think it's critical that this people group here called Plymouth Meeting Church, it's why we value family. We want to be a good news family. I like how Nikki Gumbel, uh, the guy who created the Alpha program, he says this, church is not an organization where you join. I mean, it is on paper, but... Like, no, like, go, go farther. Church is not an organization where you join. It's a family where you belong, a home where you are loved, and a hospital where you are healed. So I submit that we be a family that is known not for what we stand against, but for what we stand for. Not known for our opinions, but known for our Jesus. A church that communicates the good news of Jesus. And if we want to be a church that communicates the good news of Jesus, then we need to learn the language of 
good news, and it needs to flow through our conversations. Author Mike Breen, he says, language builds culture. And if language builds culture, then that means our language must be rooted in gospel. Our language, our conversations, our words must be rooted in a place of grace, acceptance, belonging, family. In a deteriorating world that's filled with venomous words of hatred and vitriol, we want to be an Ephesians 4.29 culture. Ephesians 4.29 family. Paul writes, Never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words become meaningful, beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. We all share this journey together. For those who like to hike and have, have been on like really long hikes deep in the woods, sometimes when you pass others, yeah, sure, you know, there's a chance it could be awkward, but but sometimes the people you meet on the trail, it's like they're the nicest people ever. Because like you're on the trail, you're in the middle of nowhere, but you're like you're sharing this journey together. There there's a sense of like I don't know. There's there's a sense of of peace. And that you know, the, the Christian walk, a journey. We're all coming from different places, but we're journeying together. And we're becoming like Christ together. And so in light of that, let's be a family that's all about hospitality. Being a, a welcoming family, a generous family, warm and friendly, inviting. All right? We play t-ball here. This isn't the major leagues. In t-ball, you can get as many swings as you want, right? There's no strikes. There's no walks. In major leagues, you know, three strikes and you're out. You know, we're, we're, we're hawking everyone out, making sure they, they live proper. Like, we're not a major league church. We're a t-ball church. Jesus has already qualified you to be on the team. Like, you're, it, like here, you are on the team. We're going to be rooting for each other. Keep swinging, buddy. Keep swinging. I know you missed a couple times. You missed that. But keep swinging. This is t-ball. You're going to hit that home run. I know it. First Peter 4, 9. Offer hospitality. And then Peter hangs out this, this nuance. He says, but do it without grumbling. One author writes, most people need love and acceptance a whole lot more than they need advice. To be a people of, of grace and space, that's all rooted in gospel. And so there's so much more to say, but I just want to close with at least three ways that we get to develop a good news culture here. To be a good news family here at Plymouth Meeting Church. And we get to do this through hospitable discipleship, hospitable dialogue, and hospitable devotion. Because we share this journey together. We're becoming like Christ together, and we're invited to do that through hospitable discipleship. Somebody yell it out. What does disciple mean? What's another word for disciple? Teaching? A follower? Yeah. It. Oh, student? Student, learner, apprentice, 
your, 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 a disciple is a learner. We are lifelong learners of Jesus. And so what, what does that mean? We're on the trail together. We're on this journey together. You know what? Start a Bible study. Invite a couple people into your, your small group, your, your Bible study. It doesn't have to last forever. It could just be six weeks long. I don't know. Do, do what you feel led to do. A big opportunity for us here at this church, in my observation, is there's so much room for mentorship and coaching to come along with somebody else and to, to, to just be with them. You know, take, take people with you. Don't be that one guy at the church, okay? What do I, what do I mean by that? Don't be that one guy at the church. <clears throat> well, I see this in, often in, in, in smaller congregations. There's like that one guy or that one lady who, who does that one thing, and they're the only ones who know how to do it. Like, let's, if, you're, if you have a task here, and you're the only person who does that task, take somebody with you. Show them what you do. Mentor somebody else. We get to share the journey together. Through hospitable discipleship. The next one is hospitable dialogue. There's so much to say about speaking life and killing gossip and, and watching your words and all of that. So much to say about that. That's, that's a whole other sermon series right there. But in a world that is not talking to one another, we're just talking past one another. Let's strive to be a people who have healthy dialogue. James 3 says, The tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries a great power. Right? Sometimes we, we translate that as, Is what you want to say necessary? Is it true? Is it kind? Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Proverbs 12, 25. A kind word cheers up the heart. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. If we speak, but we don't have love, we're just clanging cymbals and, and gongs, and it's, it's, an ugly, it's an ugly noise. And so can we practice listening together? Talking together, listening for insights and deeper questions. We get to do that together. And finally, as we build a good news family culture here, we get to do this through just hospitable devotion. Straight up, simple devotion. Being devoted to one another. And this is where we really get to push back against individualism and, and, and the loneliness and all of that. We get to embrace one another here in the love of Christ. A family who serves one another. It means we don't walk away when things get tough. We're here. We're here for one another. God is our Father. Jesus is our model. In Mark 10, 14, it says Jesus came to serve. If Jesus was here to serve, and we're supposed to be like Jesus, then that makes us servants. Putting it all together, we're a family of servants. A family of servants. 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11. After Peter insists that we show hospitality to one another without, without grumping, 
He says this, As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, if anyone speaks, they should do so. Uh, if, if, sorry, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. You hear that? As stewards of God's grace, meaning all of us have received gifts. And graces. We're all unique. God has wired us a certain way. He has lavished us in some areas, others not. I certainly do not have all the gifts, right? Far from it. There's only one Cam here, and there's only one of you. God has given us different gifts and graces. And what that means is that we're not here to play solos, we are a symphonic orchestra here. Polyphonic, multiple sounds, praising God, lifting up to the heavens. We're working together and, and worshiping together. We're a family. We're a family who seeks to be like Christ through hospitable discipleship, dialogue, and devotion. And so we look back in the time. We look to the Bible, we identify with the statement, the, the, the priesthood of all believers. We identify with the reformers. Historically, we're, we're connected to the old German pietists who, you know, they, they started this thing called a small group where they met up and they, they talked to one another and they shared life with one another. Then later, those German pietists and and, and, and Europe, they influenced John Wesley and the Methodists, and they're in our historical roots too. And John Wesley was all about the small group. They called it, what do they call it, the class, right? Meeting up, embracing relationships, talking to one another, being real with one another, discussing what God is saying to them, discerning God's vision for their life, their, what's going on, God, doing that in community, so this distinctive here, it's, it's relevant for our heritage, but it's also relative to just the time we're living through right now. This distinctive today, it, it gets us to where we want to go as a church. A family of love and warmth and belonging. Our unofficial slogan is, welcome home. You might see that online here and there. To be a welcoming family. You know what? And this is the last thing I'll say here. Jesus, Jesus says we are blessed. When we show the world, this is how you get along. We are blessed. When we show the world, this is what it looks like where there's no competition. This is what it looks like where there's no fighting. This is what it looks like where that bad list that Tom was talking about has been just eradicated out of the culture. We are a family of servants. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus says, for they shall be called children of God. Let's pray.